Hey guys, it's Allie. Welcome back to Infertile AF the Podcast. This is episode 112 called Amber. I'm so thrilled to tell you guys about today's sponsor, Extend Fertility. Extend Fertility was founded on the premise that democratizing egg freezing could ultimately change the fertility industry and deliver better results. Their co-founder, Dr. Joshua Klein, was actually my doctor. And as you may have heard me say when I interviewed him in episode 36 of this podcast, he's brilliant and supportive and overall awesome. Dr. Klein observed that IVF's success rate was low for women over 40, and its high cost was disappointing for doctors and patients alike. Dr. Klein saw the opportunity to help women think more proactively about their fertility. He believed that if more women could access their younger eggs during the IVF process, more women would see successful outcomes. He founded Extend Fertility, which began offering egg freezing at 40% below the national average cost. By 2017, they were the largest egg freezing practice in the nation, and today, they've expanded to offer a full range of infertility services, including IVF in a small practice environment that is more personal, higher quality, and data-driven. To make an appointment or to see more, go to extendfertility.com and tell them Infertile AF sent you. Thanks, Extend. Hey, everybody. My name is Sunny, host of the weekly live digital talk show and podcast, We Gotta Talk. If you love a deep dive, getting down and dirty, really digging in on topics that inform, inspire, and entertain, this is the show for you. Here's just a snippet of what we talk about every single week. For me, it's just, are you an asshole? Is, are you an asshole? Is your kid an asshole? And that's really all it is. So if I see one more blogger talk about celery juice, maybe it's because I'm not a fan. Is this actually cleansing our systems? Is this a yay or a nay? I'm gonna lean towards yay on this one in that it's healthy. Tell your body it's safe to breathe. It's safe to feel and kind of push yourself to fill your lungs while, while feeling the support and the safety of the earth. Uh, I like, honestly, I'm like near tears right now, Stevie. Like even hearing you say, like, tell your body it's okay. Like I, we've been holding on to so much. Where do you see most women getting it wrong when it comes to um, understanding themselves and therefore having a better sex life? What women get wrong is that um, they don't understand the way their bodies work. There are no rules in fashion, and that's what I love about it. If somebody tells you not to put too many accessories on or don't wear this color or whatever, do you. Come for the info, stay for the laughs. It is always a blast on We Gotta Talk, and I hope to see you. Tune in every Wednesday to watch live on Facebook.com slash We Gotta Talk and listen to new episodes every Thursday, wherever you get your podcasts. All right, guys, let me tell you a little bit about our guest today. Amber Bailey, who you might know from Instagram as Will Hike for Donuts, is one of the first people I connected with when I started my podcast. She is an OG listener. She's become a great friend. She's also a member of Fertility Rally. And today she's going to tell us all about her roller coaster of a journey. She is pregnant with her first baby right now. She is about 35 weeks along. We recorded this about a month ago, so she'll mention that she's 31 weeks, but now she's closer and she's just an amazing, incredible woman and also an environmental scientist. So she's got a lot going on. Amber, I love you so much. Thank you for being on my podcast, your very first podcast interview. So I'm glad you reached out and wanted to do this. Without further ado, this is Amber's infertility story. 
Amber. My goodness. I've been wanting to talk to you for so long. Thank you for doing this. Thank you. We met through Instagram, basically. Right. Yes, I mean, we did. I remember following your story when I first launched my podcast mm-hmm. and then you joined Fertility Rally. So we've really gotten to know each other, but I don't get to talk to you nearly enough. So I'm so glad that we're doing this today. Thank you. Yeah, me too. I uh, When I started my fertility journey, you were actually the first podcast that I listened to. <sighs> wow. And it's like helped me through my entire fertility journey. It was, it was amazing. Good. I'm so glad. And we should say this is your first podcast. It is my first podcast. Thank you for doing it. I feel (laughs) honored. Oh, well, thanks for having me. Of course. Of course. Okay. So tell me, let's start with you just personally, were you always maternal or did you always want to have kids? Oh, absolutely. When I was, when I was a kid, I would babysit for everyone in my neighborhood. First of all, I wanted the money. I wanted to buy yeah. my own things. <laughs> and then uh, I I was actually talking to my husband last night and it was, it's funny. I was babysitting like pretty, like six month old kids at age like 12. Really? Which is like, who, what parent? <laughs> I sure as hell wouldn't uh, give my newborn to a 12 year old, but. Right. Were hey. they home or were they, would they, they like no, actually leave? No, they would leave. Okay. Yeah, they would leave. And I remember one family, I, I. I babysat for, there was a six month old and a three-year-old. And I remember making cookies for the three-year-old and the, and I told him, okay, don't touch the hot, you know, the hot stove. And of course he touched the hot stove and, oh no. Yeah. I had to call the mom and I was like, I'm so sorry. And did he burn himself? <laughs> he did. Oh God. I took care of him though. You know? Yeah. So, but yeah, I've, I have younger siblings. I've always been very maternal, always yeah. knew that I've always wanted to be a mom Yeah, that has been you know, I just dreamed of the day I could be with my husband and my my kids. And yeah. I wanted two kids and a husband and three dogs. And so far I have the husband, the three dogs and one on the way. So, right. So yes, <laughs> we'll, uh, we'll tell the, the end of the story is that you are pregnant right now. So, which yes. is so awesome, but it was a very long road to get there. So yes. let's, let's start with that part of the story. So when did you and your husband start to try and did you know right away that you were going to have problems or like what, what happened? Well, so we got married in 2013. We met in 2011. And I remember like early on, like, I think it was like a second date. I asked him, okay, do you want kids? <laughs> and he's like, yeah, I actually, yeah, I do. I'm like, okay, cool. So I can be with you. And it was like our second date. Mm-hmm. And I was only like 21 at the time. <laughs> So, I know I was so young and I was knew I wanted kids and I didn't want to mess around with any guys who didn't want them in the future. So set that boundary right off the bat. Uh-huh. We fell in love like pretty much immediately. And then in 2013, we got married and it was amazing. And Where did just, you get married? We got married on Lopez Island in uh, Washington. So cool. it's, yeah, they're like some really beautiful islands. His parents live up there. It's just, it was magical. It was the most beautiful mm-hmm. wedding. And yeah, we just decided to travel and do our own thing for about five years. Mm-hmm. We, you know, I focused on my career. I'm an environmental scientist. So I really you have the to... coolest job. <laughs> I do. I really love it. What does that mean exactly for people who don't know, including yeah. me? Yeah. <laughs> so, so I'm a stormwater compliance scientist. So okay. I go and I work on industrial sites and I help facilities get into compliance with Washington stormwater laws. I work with hazardous waste. I work with like, tanks and barges and <laughs> all the things. Uh-huh. So what do you study to get into that line of work? Like, uh, environmental science. Environmental science. Okay. <laughs> yeah. That makes sense. Which is also something that I always knew I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> I was, uh, 
in high school and took an environmental science class and just knew that I wanted to be an environmental scientist. So I've always, and this actually plays in the infertility is like, I always knew what I wanted and how I was going to get it and Mm -hmm. very type A and Mm -hmm. (laughs) everything always went to plan for me. And Mm -hmm. this infertility journey went to shit for me. So yes, it's so, (laughs) it's so crazy that like, I feel like a lot of our members are, are saying that, you know, it's a lot of type A people who mm-hmm. I guess seek out support and join these support groups. So that makes sense. Yes. But it's people who are used to having big ambitions, going after what they want and getting it. You Absolutely. know, we have a lot of successful people who are successful in their careers and other areas of their life. But this infertility thing, you just can't fucking control it. You can't at all. It's yeah. such a mind fuck. <laughs> yes. Really, really. Uh harmed my mental health. So we'll get into that, but yeah, for sure. So 2018, we started trying for a baby and basically, you know, I was like ready. I had the basal body temperature stuff going on. Mm -hmm. I had the OPKs on the ready. Basically, Mm -hmm. as soon as my husband was like, okay, let's start trying. I was like, boy, I got everything lined up, ready to go. We're ready to have a kid. We're going to get pregnant this month. And that didn't happen. I was devastated. And I remember going on a trip at the end of the month and, you know, it was the day that my period was due and I was just waiting around to see if it would, would start. And of course it started. And, you know, I was really upset. My husband's like, it's just the first month. Like you don't need Mm -hmm. to freak out. But for me, it was like, I was ready to have a baby yesterday, Mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. So, you know, it was just, it was hard. And we, uh, we kept trying, I kept doing the OPKs. So ovulation predictor kits, uh-huh. the BBT. So the basal body temperature did that every month had a chart. It's like, if anything is wrong, I can just bring this data to the doctor and show right. it to them, you know, very scientific and- <laughs> of you, right. You're keeping track and keeping charts. Yep. That's smart. Yes. Yeah, it is. Uh, it was a little bit obsessive. Uh-huh. I do suffer from OCD. So it was, okay. uh, this, the infertility definitely played into that mm. or fed that I should say, mm-hmm. but basically, yeah, I mean, that whole summer we tried. And, and how old were you at this point? I was 28. Okay. So yeah. very young in terms, yeah. you know, all things considered. Yeah. Very young. I was healthy. I exercised. I ate mm-hmm. well. I took the vitamins that I needed to, needed to take. Mm-hmm. I cut down on drinking. I did the whole thing mm-hmm. and I thought I was good to go. Mm-hmm. And I just had this sinking feeling in my gut. Like it was just, I don't know how to describe it. It was just, I knew something was wrong, but I couldn't put my finger on it. Okay. And so that fall, I, we hadn't even been trying for a year and I knew that they wouldn't see us, you know, if we hadn't been trying for years. So of course we, we made an appointment and we just said we had, (laughs) which I recommend to anyone, trust your gut, trust your gut. Agreed. You don't have to wait a year. They don't don't know that. They don't know it. And if you feel like something is wrong, go for it, you know, good advice. But yeah, so basically we just, we went into the doctors and, and my husband, uh, he, you know, he had to (laughs) give his sample Yep. and we actually had to wait until the end of the year to do my testing. We are due to insurance purposes. So Mm. female like hormone tests are a lot more expensive than the male. So Mm -hmm. (laughs) we got his results back and they basically just sent us the the report with like no explanation Mm -hmm. and said, you have below normal sperm. And that was it. We're like, okay, 
<laughs> like, what do we do? Right. So, we so are with, you like researching and stuff? I'm sure you're going online and trying to figure <laughs> it all out, right? Of course. Yeah. I went online. I like typed in all the numbers and yeah you know, everything and made sure I'm like, okay, this is normal, but this isn't. And okay. You know, just so I had something to go in and talk to the doctor about. And we go in and the doctor is like, yeah, like it's not that bad, but you know, you guys could do IVF or or IUI if you want. And he was just trying to upsell us. Yeah. And And it sounds like he's being pretty casual and flippant about it. Right. He was. Yeah. That's kind of a big deal, doc. (laughs) Like (laughs) (laughs) He was very casual about it. And when we did my testing, it was January and they got my results back and they're like, okay, you kind of have diminished ovarian reserve, but we're not going to put a diagnosis on it yet. They tested my AMH and my AMH was low and my FSH was high. So uh, I don't remember exactly the numbers, but they were, it was like I was 38. So I had, you know, age 10 years or something. Mm, Okay. And I'm like, okay, so what's the next step? And she's like, well, IUI is only about 11% success rate where IVF is about 60. I'm like, well, of course I'm going to go with IVF, mm-hmm. you know, and we were lucky enough to have our insurance cover some of it. Okay. So, so, and it's cool that they let you skip the IUI part. Some people yep. don't like some insurance you have to do like three IUIs or five exactly. IUIs or something. Yeah, our insurance and nothing very... against IUIs. Sometimes they do work and it's wonderful oh, absolutely. when they do. But yeah, for a lot of people they don't. So to have to like be doing those while you're like feeling like the clock is just ticking. Oh, absolutely. Frustrating. Yeah. Yeah, and you know, I was talking to my husband. I'm like, "Listen, these are the statistics. <laughs> I don't want to waste time. I want a baby yesterday. So, let's just dive into IVF." And he's like, "Whatever. Let's do it." Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, so was you know, this affecting you guys relationship-wise yet yes. at all? Cuz okay. Yeah. You want to talk about that a little bit? Sure. Yeah, we were you know, trying to conceive, you know, on our own. Definitely became a chore. I was definitely a lot more uh, intense about it. I'm like, okay, I'm ovulating this day. We have to have sex on these days. And, you know, it's just the same old song and dance that every infertility couple goes through every Mm -hmm. trying to conceive couple goes through, you know, we're Mm -hmm. put our legs up in the air after sex, right? (laughs) Do all the things, do all the things takes all the sexiness out of it. Oh yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. And it definitely started to affect our relationship in that way. We weren't really, we hadn't gotten to the stage we'd we would get to after uh, a few rounds of IVF okay. of mental uh, right in terms issues. of going downhill you mean like yeah, absolutely bad? yeah okay yeah so it's not getting super bad yet but get it gets worse it definitely does yeah so you know we've always been a very strong couple and we call ourselves Team Bailey because <laughs> yes. we're ridiculous I love um, that but my husband and I are best friends like we're yes. on the same page and so this was a really good test for us. Yeah. But anyways, so January I got tested on CD. So cycle day two Mm -hmm. and cycle day three, they're like, okay, if you want to start this month, you can. And I'm like, oh shit. All right, let's do this. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Let's get in. Let's do this. I want to do IVF. I want to get an egg retrieval. It's going to be easy. I'm going to have a transfer and we're going to get pregnant. And this 2019 at this point? Uh, Yes. January, 2019. Got it. And yeah. And so I started the birth control, did the, you know, the normal protocol birth control, and then we would add stims five days later. And then it was a very short protocol because she wanted to fit it in on that cycle for me. Mm -hmm. And I went in for my first uh, check and I had a huge cyst on my ovary and 
she said, we have to cancel it. And of course I was like, are you serious? Like I just spent like so much money on all these meds. You've done all the stims already. Yeah. I had started the stims and like, so frustrating. Yeah. And so she's like, well, yeah, we can't, we can't continue this because you'll, your ovary will like explode or something. (laughs) It's like so painful. And at that point I could feel it and I knew something was off, but she offered me to do the trigger shot to kind of get things cleared out and the next cycle starting. So I did the the trigger shot, and then we went on a trip to a wedding down in San Francisco. Uh And I remember being on that plane and I think my ovary like released the egg that was, or the cyst or whatever on the plane, because I was in the most exceptional pain. Oh no. (laughs) It was so bad. I was throwing up. Oh no. It was so bad. And I was like, I don't think this is right. Yeah. (laughs) But Anyways, it was, it was horrible. And, you know, we, we were bummed and this was like our first taste of disappointment, the shittiness of IVF really completely. (laughs) So fast forward to February, I'd started a new cycle and they decided, okay, we'll do a long protocol with Lupron and Mm -hmm. Lupron essentially makes your body go into menopause Mm -hmm. and it suppresses all the hormones. So no cysts. It was more, it was safer for me. So we did a long protocol. I was on that for a month and around March on my birthday, we went in for the suppression check to make sure all was good and everything was great. No sis. We were Uh very happy. We're very ready to go. And they're like, okay, you can start stems today. I'm like, oh my gosh, it's my birthday. Best birthday present ever. We're going to have an egg retrieval. And we had so much hope, you know, yeah, you're so excited still. And like, all right, this is it. We're going to get all the eggs all the embryos. <laughs> We're going to get good embryos. We're going to have so many embryos. And I just remember like doing all the stims and my husband was off in Europe. And at that, during the middle of that cycle, my grandpa, who is my everything, he passed away. Oh, he felt so very sorry. ill. Yeah. And I, I held his hand as he passed away wow. in the hospital. It was to be on hormones mm-hmm. and anyone who's been on stims listening to this knows yeah they fuck with your brain yes you are so hormonal and you want to cry all the time it was just oh my god and my husband was gone in europe for a business trip and i oh, was all alone and yeah oh my god so i actually did the trigger shot in the hospital in wow. the bathroom of my grandpa's suite oh wow and yeah which is like talk about weird timing, right? Yes, completely. But still I was like, okay, well, you know what? Maybe this is like a sign, you know, my grandpa's passing away, but we're trying to create new life. Like mm-hmm. maybe this will lead to something better and bigger and, you know, we'll have a positive outcome. Right. So everything went great. I had about 11 follicles. I didn't, I've never had a lot of follicles on my scans mm-hmm. due to my low egg reserve, but you know, we were hopeful anyway. We're like, okay, we just need one. And we went in for the retrieval. They put me under, did the whole thing, got back out. They said, we got 12 eggs. Like, okay, that's awesome. Uh huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> 12 chances. Right. And so due to my husband's sperm, they did ICSI, which is where they inject the sperm into the egg. Mm-hmm. And I basically, we're just walking on eggshells, just right. waiting at the edge of our seat trying to, you know, every day the embryologist would call and say what numbers would, uh, like the numbers of the eggs uh-huh. and the, the embryos. So the first day, you know, they're like, okay, all 10 fertilized uh-huh. or 10 out of 12 fertilized. 
And then they got back to us three days later. They're like, okay, seven out of the 10 made it to day three. Mm-hmm. And then on day five, five out of 10. And we're like, oh my God, that's so great. Mm-hmm. So we decided to do PGS testing because with my scientific brain, I just right. wanted all the information possible. Yeah. That's how I was too. I'm like, I want all the tests. Same. Not yeah, taking any like, chances here. No. And, you know, I was like, especially since I have shit eggs, like I just want to make sure that mm-hmm. we have good embryos. So mm-hmm. uh, we waited the two weeks and they came back and two were normal. We had okay. two abnormal and then we had one wild card. And that wild card was, it was a weird one. The The test results said no DNA, but then I talked to the doctor and they're like, yeah, it was probably just a bad biopsy. And we're like, okay, we'll just keep it just in case. Uh-huh. Cause that can happen. They can, yeah, they can biopsy a part of the embryo and not get all the DNA that they need to run the tests. Right. Or they can biopsy a part. I mean, you can explain this better than me, I'm sure, but, but one part can be different from another part. Right. So it's not Mm -hmm. a foolproof test. It kind of depends where they pull from, from absolutely. Yeah. And that's why it's so important for those of you listening to talk to your embryologist team and just kind of research and do your background research on, Mm -hmm. because the embryologist is really the, I would say the biggest factor, you know, you want to go where a good lab is Mm -hmm. good doctor is important, but a good lab is in my opinion, even more important. Did you decide on a lab or was it the one that your doctor was affiliated with? I guess I skipped over this, but yeah, the, so the place that we went to, I honestly was like, hmm, they have a nice website and I had nothing. I had no idea what I was looking at right at the very beginning. And this, the doctor got good reviews and they seemed cheaper than the other places in the area. Uh And I was like, let's just go with them. You know, they're cheaper. We want to save money, blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. So I didn't actually you know, look into the lab at the time. I didn't know to look into the lab. Right. I didn't either. You just, I was just like, what do I do? (laughs) All right. Sign here. Exactly. Send the money there. Like, yeah, exactly. But yeah, we should know, like people do have choices, you know, and you, you don't Mm -hmm. have to necessarily do exactly what they say. So absolutely a little bit, a takeaway for anyone listening. Yeah. And same with PGS testing. If you don't feel comfortable with it, you know, like I said, it's not a hundred percent test, right? So if you want it and you can afford it, because it is expensive, mm-hmm. go for it. But if you can't, then, you know, more power to you. Right. But, I remember Vince, my husband was like, another $5,000? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I was like, we've come this far and we're yep. only doing one round. So let's do it. What's another 5000 Exactly. Right? <laughs> exactly. Just add it to the tab. Right. <laughs> so we were so excited. We were like, okay, we have a boy and a girl embryo. Uh, we are so excited. We're like, oh my God, these are our two children. We're so excited. And we started the transfer protocol in early April and mid-May is when the transfer date was set. So that day, transfer day came, I went to the gym. I was working out pretty much every day, every other day during the week. And I was like, I need to get one last workout in. And Mm -hmm. I remember being at the gym and getting the call from the embryologist. And he said, I'm so sorry, your two embryos died during thaw. Oh my God. I was like closing my eyes because I knew what you were going to say. I know this part of your story (laughs) and oh my God, Amber. I, what did that phone call feel like? It was horrible. I mean, I was at the gym first of all. So I was like crying in the middle of a gym and I had to run out and I was, I was like, are you, are you sure? Like how, like, how did they die? And they're like, we're not sure. Sometimes they just do. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, but they were, they were normal. Like, like something must've went wrong. And 
they're like, no, it just, they just didn't make it, but your wild card embryo that made it through thaw. So we're going to transfer that today. Mm. So I had this weird balance of grieving for our son and daughter mm-hmm. that we had pictured in the future mm-hmm. and also trying to get excited for this transfer and not like put that bad energy, you know, right. into the, into the transfer. Talk about a mind fuck. It was totally a mind fuck. And my husband still to this day, he says that that was the hardest day of all of our journey. And I think it was so hard because it was our first letdown. We had no idea this could happen. We had no idea that these PGS tested embryos could die. We just thought it was a sure thing. Mm -hmm. And it turns out, and this did not make us feel better when the doctor said this, Each embryo has over a 98% chance of thawing and surviving thaw when they're PGS normal. Wow. And I'm like, great. Cool. So we just, we're in the we 2% just, that, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Great. Cool. Awesome. Uh, yeah. So we went into the, oh. into the transfer and we were really bummed because we had to have the talk with the embryologist right before. And then like, okay, it's time for your transfer. And we're like, whatever. All right. So we went in and, and did it. And it was just... I, that day I'll never forget how just upset and also happy I was. Right. Like we just said, it was such a mind fuck. Yes. And, and I think it's so important to acknowledge that the loss of embryos is a real loss. It really is. We've you know, worked I mean, so some hard. Some people don't give it the, the let, like the weight that I think it, it needs sometimes. And like your, the grief that you must've felt from that is real. You're so right. I felt the same amount of grief of uh, losing those embryos as I did with my future miscarriages. Mm -hmm. And it was, it was the same feeling. Mm -hmm. And like I said, maybe even worse because it was the first time we had realized, okay, this is not going to be easy Mm -hmm. for us. Mm -hmm. And so what happened with the transfer? So I, of course, tested early. Okay. Uh, (laughs) How early? Uh, I don't remember. I think it was like five days past or something. Okay. And I saw a faint line and I was like, oh my God, I'm so excited. And it got a little darker and a little darker. And then it started getting lighter. Hmm. And, you know, I'm like, okay, well maybe it's just the test. Like these dyes aren't trustworthy on the tests. Like I shouldn't go off of that. And I remember going into my beta on beta day and mm-hmm. getting my blood drawn and just being bummed. And I, yeah. I just had this feeling it hadn't worked. And yeah. uh, it turns out I had a chemical pregnancy, which I hate that term. Yeah, me too. <laughs> just uh, dehumanize away. It. Yeah, yeah. It's completely. Absolutely. And like, <sighs> we're just so upset. We're like, okay, well, we have nothing. We have mm-hmm. no embryos mm-hmm. to transfer. We have our last embryo just is gone. And we have to start all over again. Yeah. Ugh. And so, so hard. It really was. It was <laughs> it was so hard. Yeah. And we we had our what the fuck appointment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Which I love that term by the way. I know way. me too. <laughs> uh we had that about 2 weeks later and we're like what happened? Like you know, was it your lab? Like how did these embryos die? And yeah. like They just never really gave us a good answer. They just said it sometimes happens. And I'm like, okay, but like statistically 98% chance of one embryo. And then the second embryo, I mean, I'm not great at math, but that's like over a 98% chance if for both of them. Right. (laughs) You know? Right. And so it was just, 
like somebody <sighs> fucked something up, right? Yeah, that's what I think. I mean, I'll, I'll, we'll never know, right? right but it's right. that's, I guess, what I what I tell myself to get through. Yeah, <laughs> this yeah. whole journey. But so sorry. Yeah. So June, we started the suppression cycle for uh, gearing up for another retrieval. We just mm-hmm. decided to jump right in with no break, which I do not recommend. Mm-hmm. Take time, mourn, grieve, do whatever you need to do to heal and then move on. It's so tricky though, because you don't want to lose that time. So it's like, you want to take, you need to take the time to heal and you should and give, you know, self-care and all that stuff. But it's also like clock is ticking. And like the more months that go by, the more frustrating it is. And, you know, obviously as you get older, it's harder and, you know, it's so it's, it's such a strange place to be. And I feel for anybody going through that right now, or, you know, you went through it, I went through it. It's so tricky. It is. And especially when you have diminished ovarian reserve, right? Mm -hmm. Like you're like, shit, my eggs are only getting crappier by the minute. Right. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Quality is going downhill. So we got to get on this. Was this around the time? Cause I remember we followed each other on Instagram and you were on stories. Was this when you took your break from the ground? Okay. No, no, that was later on. Okay. But it was when I first started the the journey. And, oh, you did. Okay. Yeah. Sharing with, with the Instagram community because it, it just helped me so much yeah. to listen to your podcast and oh, and follow other people. And I, yeah. It just I remember meant, you were always so posting much. from your car. Yes. You yeah. Always in the car. Yep. Yeah. Always in the car because our, our lab, our, our clinic was like so far away. So yeah. Uh, gosh. Anyways, so we got our meds, we started the stims, we did everything and we had a retrieval in July and we had the same amount of eggs this time. So we had 12 eggs, mm-hmm. 10 mate was, were fertilized and five made it to blast, blastocyst mm-hmm. stage. So this time I was like, you know what? Fuck it. I want to do a fresh transfer, even though the doctor said, no, you shouldn't. I just felt like it was the right thing to do. So I told him we're doing a fresh transfer, mm-hmm. pick the best you're embryo. nervous about the thawing again. Yeah. I was so nervous about the thawing. I mean, that Rightly left so. a huge like impact mm-hmm. on, on my brain. Mm-hmm. And so we did the fresh transfer and they froze the other four and on day, on day, let's see, it would have been two weeks after, let's see. So we got the transfer. We did two week wait in that two week wait. We got the results for our embryos. One made it Mm. and that's our lucky one. Mm -hmm. And the embryo that we had done the transfer with, I tested of course. Mm -hmm. And once again, saw the line and I'm like, Oh my God, this is stronger than the last time. We're more hopeful. We were so excited. And we got the call on beta day and it was like, congratulations, you're pregnant. And uh-huh. best I'm like, Oh my ever. God, best news ever. And yeah. like your HCG was 69. And I'm like, okay, that's kind of low mm-hmm. from what I, what did they say that it's supposed to be on beta day? Like what are the, what do they, they want it to be? They said anything between 50 and a hundred. Okay. So I'm like, okay, it's within their normal range, but still, you know, I had been researching, of course, beta numbers Mm -hmm. and like, oh, this is so low. And not to say that, you know, low HCG levels don't go on to make great babies and Mm -hmm. and healthy babies and and whatnot, but it's, you know, I I just wasn't as optimistic. And I remember we, it was right by our anniversary, the day after we got the call, my husband had a seizure. (laughs) Oh my God. I know he had a seizure. No, we why? don't know. We don't know. We don't know. He just, he all, all of a sudden developed a seizure disorder. So it was really random, really scary. I just remember being so 
scared in the ER with him. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, I was just trying to reassure him. I'm like, don't worry, babe, we're pregnant. Like, you know, just trying to cheer him up and uh-huh. just being so excited. And I remember him telling the nurse like, oh yeah, we're, my wife's pregnant. Like we're so excited and mm-hmm. in his delirium. And, you know, we went in the next day and we got our, our beta drawn again. Actually, it was two days later. Mm-hmm. And I remember that was the day we still went on our anniversary. Like he just had a seizure and we went on this freaking trip mm-hmm. <laughs> over the mountains to this barbarian town called Leavenworth. And if anyone's in Washington, they know Leavenworth. It's awesome. Lots uh-huh. of great, great beer and, and everything there. And we got our blood drawn and we were headed over the mountains. And I just remember I'm like, okay, so the last time they called me like right away with happy news. Yeah. And the hours ticked by, we went, got into our Airbnb. We were just waiting. I was just checking my phone, checking my portal mm-hmm. to see the uploaded results. Oh, such torture. Oh my God. And I just remember walking around. I'm like, am I pregnant? Am I not? Am I pregnant? Am I not? And finally at like three o'clock, I'm like, fuck this. They have not called me. I'm going to mm-hmm. call them. Mm-hmm. So I called them and they're like the nurse answered and she said, Oh, like we need to talk to the doctor first. We'll get back to you. Oh my God. I'm like, Oh God. Heart is sinking. A- yes. I'm like, this is not going to be good results. Mm-hmm. The nurse called. She said, your HCG is at 97. So it did rise, but it didn't double like we'd want. She didn't sound optimistic. I was not optimistic. Basically we hung up the phone and then we sat on a sidewalk and just cried together in the Mm. middle of this like town Mm -hmm. (laughs) with tons of tourists walking by. Right. Oh, and it was just such a bummer. And I just, you know, ruined our anniversary weekend. Mm -hmm. And I wish we would have just stayed home to be honest, but you know, it was, I don't know. We just needed to get out of the house. Yeah. And that's another thing too. That's makes this whole thing so hard for so many people. It's just like, you want life to go on as normal as much as you can because you don't want to just be laser focused on this one thing. So you want to go on these trips and you want to celebrate this stuff, but then infertility is always getting the way and like fucking it all up and oh, ruining absolutely. these occasions. And, you know, absolutely. I mean, yeah, you couldn't have said it better. It's just, yeah, it completely takes over your life. hundred mm-hmm. percent. So Monday I go back in, I get my, my third beta drawn and I go to work and I get the call that the number had dropped to, I think it was like 30 or something like that. So Mm -hmm. again, I was having a miscarriage and I just remember running out of my work, bawling. Mm -hmm. And luckily my work had known like my boss and pretty much everyone in my, at my work is a close knit type family mm-hmm. and we all support each other and they've been so supportive of this journey for me, which is, I'm so lucky to have That's that. That's great. Yeah. So they're like, take as much time as you need, whatever. Like you can take your bereavement days and then, mm-hmm. and then take, you know, sick time. So I took the whole week off mm-hmm. and yeah, it was just another letdown. Mm-hmm. We couldn't did you have to take anything for the miscarriage to progress or did it no. pass naturally? Okay. It, yeah. Yeah. Luckily it passed naturally. It was still painful, but yeah, yeah. It was, uh, we were lucky that we, I didn't have to take any meds for it. Mm-hmm. So, and I hate having to go back in until your, your blood draw is right. Back they want to get zero. it back down to zero. Yeah. That's really rough. Especially when the phlebotomist takes your, 
your blood and sees that it's for HCG and they think that, oh, it's because you're pregnant. Like, right. This is your fourth one. Like so exciting. And I'm like, no, it's it's because I'm having a miscarriage. And then they automatically are. Right. Awful, You're like, couldn't awkward. that be on the file somewhere? <laughs> right? So like they know that going in. Yeah. I've right. had other people say that too, that they're like, oh, congratulations. And they're like, no, I'm fucking having a miscarriage. Yeah, absolutely. It's terrible. And yeah. so we had another what the fuck appointment. Uh-huh. And Andrew and I, I mean, we were just, dis- we were just despondent. We were so mm-hmm. tired and worn down. And like this had really affected our relationship and our mm-hmm. sex life and mm-hmm. And everything, you know, we were still strong and a team and we knew obviously we were going to make it and everything would be fine, but it definitely tested our relationship. Yeah. And what was like one of the lowest moments, would you say? I would say it's coming up. Okay. <laughs> coming up. So we had the walk, what the fuck appointment and the doctor, the asshole doctor said, yeah. So you have like a 90% chance of getting pregnant this next round. I'm like, where the fuck are you getting these statistics? First of all, second of all, like, don't tell me that after uh-huh. all these losses, you know, like I'm just so, ugh, like did he mean I, with the one embryo you had left or naturally, or what did he mean? He, we were going to do another retrieval. He said, uh-huh. you know, most couples go through three egg retrievals and they get pregnant. That's just the statistics. And mm-hmm. so I, I know he was trying to cheer us up, but I really don't appreciate it when doctors are not straightforward mm-hmm. and sure that may be the statistic, but clearly we've fallen into the minority, mm-hmm. right. With our embryos and everything else. So right. we did have the one embryo on ice, but we decided to keep it on ice and go with another retrieval to try and bank some eggs or mm-hmm. embryos. And this time we decided to try Omnitrope. Mm-hmm. And Omnitrope is a human growth hormone and it's supposed to be good for diminished ovarian reserve. It's not FDA approved for that. So insurance won't cover it. It's very expensive for mm-hmm. like three vials. It was like $1,800 wow. and you go through it really quick mm-hmm. and we're like, you know what, if it helps, fuck it, let's just do it. Was and this so, something that you had researched and recommended or did your doctor bring it up or how did I, that come into I, the mix? He recommended it. Okay. I researched it. And after he had talked about it and I said, you know what, there's like 50, 50 data on it. So I'll just go for it. Why not? Mm-hmm. Worst decision because for me, and this is not for everyone, but for me, we started our stims and then I think it was like day four or five, they added the Omnitrope. Mm-hmm. I started taking that and my eggs grew way too quickly. Okay. So my follicles just grew way too fast and they ended up doing the retrieval like four or five days early, Wow, which is really early. Uh-huh. Uh, Cause they didn't want like the overstimulation, like yes. something could go wrong. Right. Yeah. And they didn't want to overly like mature the, the eggs, the mm-hmm. follicles. So okay. they were already to the size that they wanted. And we're like, well, you know, it's five days early. It's just let's just do the retrieval. And so went under again for the third back to back, mm-hmm. back to back to back oh my <laughs> retrieval and came out of anesthesia. And they're like, we got 10 eggs. I'm like, okay. okay. And they said nine are mature, seven fertilized. So we had lower numbers this time. Mm-hmm. And I hundred percent believe it was because of the Omnitrope. I mean, mm-hmm. they just grew my eggs way too quickly. Mm-hmm. And by day five, only two embryos were like, they loved, they graded them like 
it was like a three out of five or something. Okay. So they had, they weren't hatching. They weren't early. They were like barely blast assist at day five. Mm-hmm. And he's like, at this point, I think we should just transfer both. And we're like, okay, great. So we have nothing to freeze, do this entire cycle for nothing. Uh-huh. You know, we were just so bummed. We weren't hopeful. It was just so, so tough. So we go into yeah. the transfer day and, and obviously with a fresh transfer, you can't test, right? Exactly. So we had no yeah. idea what we were going into. And mm-hmm. we're like, well, you know, it's like, you know, we're putting in two, so maybe one will work. Mm-hmm. So we go in, we do the transfer and sure enough, same thing happens. I test early, got the lines, did the whole song and dance over mm-hmm. again, mm-hmm. went to the beta. It was, it was elevated and then it went back down and we oh, had another God. miscarriage. And it was just oh, at this point. Honey. At this point, I broke. Yeah. I I remember laying in my bed and thinking to myself, I wish I could just disappear. Aww. Those were my exact thoughts. And it was so scary to me mm-hmm. as a person who had always been happy and sure I suffered with OCD and anxiety, but I never dealt with depression before. I didn't know mm-hmm. what it looked like. And mm-hmm. I just, I wanted to leave like mm-hmm. Somehow, yeah. Would just escape? Would you say it was like suicidal? Even yeah. Yeah. Um. You know, I I say yes. I say it was on the verge of that. I had contemplated that, but I decided, you know what? I need help. Yeah. I absolutely need help. Yeah. So I talked. Was it like you weren't wanting to get out of bed? Like yeah. What was that? Was like the day to day. Day to day was just, I mean, I was just crying all the Mm -hmm. time. Just Mm -hmm. so like, I didn't want to do anything. I had, I was so into hiking with my dogs and, and exercising every day. And I just was in bed and would go to bed early and, you know, go to work and get the things I needed needed to do done and then just go home and sleep. Mm -hmm. It was horrible. And I'm I'm glad that you're met. You're talking about this though, because I bet there's people listening who, you know, might be feeling that same way and, and maybe this will help someone or encourage somebody to get help or talk to so. someone and know that they're not alone. Like this is a real side effect of oh, infertility absolutely. is deep depression. Deep, deep yeah. depression. I had never felt this before. And I saw a therapist. I made an appointment and my therapist is wonderful. If anyone is listening, you should if you can find a therapist who specializes in infertility, please do because mm-hmm. they can understand you on a whole different level, mm-hmm. on a deep level. And my therapist had gone through nine rounds of IVF, mm-hmm. had four miscarriages. One of uh, one of them was a stillbirth, which was really oh. horrible. Yeah. And I just, I felt this instant connection with her. Yeah. How did you find her? <sighs> I just researched on Google. Okay. And so was it local or therapist. was it like now it you was. can- Okay. Because yeah. this is pre-pandemic still, right? Pre-pandemic, yeah. It was okay. uh, 2019, yeah. yeah. So, I think uh, now with October. Zoom and stuff, it might even be easier for people to find therapists because you mm-hmm. don't have to be in the same city as them even anymore. Absolutely, absolutely. And so, you know, I found Susie, my therapist on Google and saw her and her and I just clicked instantly, which is mm-hmm. so important. That's another thing. It's really hard to find a good therapist mm-hmm. and, and click with them mm-hmm. and she helped me through a lot. She got me on meds. So I started taking Prozac, mm. started feeling a little bit more like myself, mm-hmm. decided, okay, we need to just take a step back from this and like chill. We need to work on our relationship. We need yep. to work on our own mental health and, you know, not just go through the motions of this. Mm-hmm. And at this point we had completely run out of 
any insurance coverage whatsoever. Right. Had so you ever been on Prozac before? No, never. And how been long on Prozac. did it? How long did it take to like kick in? About six weeks. Okay. Yeah. So it was, it, I started feeling better around four weeks. And I didn't have the side effects that some people do. Some people have uh, like headaches and gastrointestinal intestinal issues and other things like that while they're cycling on, but usually that resolves itself. So I'm hoping people, you know, friends that might try it will continue on with it, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. but I was on the lowest dose possible just to kind of help. Right. And in addition to the depression I had was suffering from OCD and it's hair pulling. So, oh, okay. Uh, yeah. So it's this weird. Yeah. What thing. is that called? It's trichotillomania. There okay. it is. Yeah. Yep. And it is, I've always dealt with it since I was mm-hmm. a kid. And it's mm-hmm. a self, self soothing thing. Yep. And it's very common, actually. And not a lot of people talk about it. And I had been pulling out my hair like crazy mm-hmm. just to kind of like, soothe myself really mm-hmm. to just get my, my brain to be calm. Right. And that was starting to affect obviously my, my hair. Yeah. And had you ever had, about it. I'm sorry. Had you ever had treatment for the OCD? No, I mm-hmm. never even thought it was an issue. I just thought I was uh type a, you know, mm-hmm. and I just thought I was very go-getter, totally fine. Mm-hmm. And trichotillomania is a subset of OCD. Mm-hmm. So they're very much related. Can and you Prozac- explain like what what's goes on in your brain? Like, do you feel with the hair pulling? Like, is it like you feel like you have to do that to make yourself feel better? Or like, what's the yeah. thought process? So it's actually more subconscious for me. It's like, I'll be working and I'll just be like thinking about something and just start pulling my hair or mm-hmm. I will be watching TV and bored and I'll start pulling my hair. Mm-hmm. Anytime I'm really nervous, I'll just start pulling my hair and I don't mm-hmm. even realize I'm doing it. That's mm-hmm. how long I've done. I've done it since I was a baby. Okay. And so many people will go through this and it's so underdiagnosed mm-hmm. and going through the trauma of infertility just brought it all back out. Like I had been very good in the recent years because I was so happy and, mm-hmm. you know, we were just honeymoon phase and the whole thing, you know, as husband and wife and, and infertility just brought this out mm-hmm. full force. It was horrible. It was horrible. It's so interesting that they can affect each other like that too. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so it was something that I was very embarrassed about, but mm-hmm. you know, the more we talk about it, the more we normalize it. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. My husband encouraged me to get help. I got my uh, got into therapy. We both did couples therapy, which mm-hmm. was so helpful. Oh, that's my good. God. Was he willing to go? Did you? Have oh, to... yeah. Okay, that's good. Yeah, he was. He was willing to go, and yeah. he was happy to go. Team he, Bailey, getting team it done. <laughs> he <laughs> he would do anything to support me, and Aww. that is, I'm just so lucky in that regard. So that's he awesome. and he wanted, you know, he had he has PTSD, and he's you know right now starting to search for a therapist for his own PTSD from the infertility or from from the infertility journey. Yeah, absolutely. And so it can affect men too. Mm -hmm. And it was just, it was a really rough time, but therapy really helped us and we did the work and we got to a really good place. I kind of chilled on the trying to conceive front a little bit, you know, we were still trying, but we weren't, I wasn't obsessive about it. Mm -hmm. I was taking vitamins and whatnot, but not completely obsessive. Mm -hmm. And my OCD, my anxiety and my depression, everything had kind of gotten under control starting in 2020. And then the pandemic hit Uh (laughs) and we were right about to start with a new clinic. And the reason why we went to a new clinic, I forgot to mention earlier 
we went to our last what the fuck appointment and my husband couldn't come because he was on a business trip. And I went into the office asking what, where do we go from here? We've done three egg retrievals. Like, is there any more testing? Should my husband actually go to a urologist? You guys have never officially diagnosed him with male factor infertility. Mm-hmm. And they never actually officially diagnosed me with diminished ovarian reserve either. Mm-hmm. And he said, you know, it's not just a male issue here. It's also your eggs are not great. And it, to me, that comment just came off so sexist. Mm. First of all, it was like, he was offended that I was saying that my husband's sperm wasn't great. Right. And I'm like, no, no, no. I realize it's a team thing, but it's, (laughs) you know, like, should we, should we like look deeper into these things? And he just refused to give my husband a referral to a urologist. Weird. Are you serious? Yeah. So, bye. Bye. <laughs> absolutely. That's when you and, kick your doctor to the curb and like find absolutely. someone else that's going to take you seriously and work on your team with you. Yeah. I mean, we just, we just, we looked around on the internet and we came across PNW fertility. I follow Dr. Laura Shaheen mm, on me too. We love you, Dr. Shaheen. She was at <laughs> Fertility Rally Live in October. She is oh my so gosh. awesome. Yes. Yeah. She is amazing. And I knew I wanted to go to her clinic because first of all, they're all women there, which I asked them and they're like, it just kind of happened. You know, we only pick the best and everyone mm-hmm. is a woman here. I'm like, okay. Awesome. Even the embryologist, which is amazing. Mm-hmm. And I reach out to them, set up a uh, appointment. I try to get in with Dr. Shaheen, but because she's Instagram famous now, she's very much in high demand. (laughs) (laughs) So I actually got in with Dr. Marshall and she is the founder of, of PNW fertility. And she is amazing. Uh Just total badass. Love her. I had a consultation with her. We did it via zoom because of course pandemic Mm -hmm. and she looked at my old numbers and we had, I'd gone in and done a new testing and my AMH had gone, I don't know where it started. I think it was in the twos down to 0.67, my AMH. And so normal range is like higher than that. I don't, I don't exactly remember the normal range, but it's like two and a half and higher. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, oh shit. Okay. So my egg reserve has really dropped in the past year and a half. And my FSH was at 11.8 mm-hmm. and on the chart, she showed me the chart. I fell somewhere in between like a 43 and 46 year old for eggs. Wow. And how old were you at that point? 30. Okay. Yeah. So that was a shock to me, but also, also relieving. Cause it was like, a I diagnosis. had a diagnosis. Yeah. I had a diagnosis and it was yeah. so nice to have a diagnosis and she gave us a referral to a urologist for my husband immediately. Mm-hmm. She's like, oh yeah, absolutely. Let's do this. And she's like, you know, at this stage, I think we should do an ERA and we should do an HSG test. And that is a saline test where they basically put saline into your uterus and they mm-hmm. take an ultrasound and they look around for polyps and any other stuff. Mm-hmm. And we had a plan and I'm like, why the hell did our other doctor never suggest this to us. I had asked him if there was other testing and I even asked him about an ERA cycle. And he said, no, like we don't need to do that. Wow. So glad you switched. Oh my God. Me too. And so we did the ERA and the ERA was uh, great. Actually, we came back with an answer. We needed 12 more hours of progesterone 
So that mm-hmm. was great. Mm-hmm. And this was in around May, June of 2020. Mm-hmm. And they did the sauna histogram and found a lot of polyps in my uterus. Mm-hmm. And so that was shocking. I didn't expect that, you know? Yeah. And so I was scheduled for surgery in July of 2020. And they, I asked them to take a picture, which by the way, you can, you can do that. If you go under and they're putting a camera up anywhere, you can ask them to take a before and after photo Pro tip guys <laughs> ask for photos. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So she's like, yeah, absolutely. Let's do it. So I remember getting out of anesthesia and Dr. Marshall walked in and she's like, you had a mountain range of polyps. You mm-hmm. had, I stopped counting at 20. Oh my God. And I swear to God, one of the polyps in the photo looks like the Matterhorn. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I still have that photo, but yeah, anyways. And she's like, you know, you probably have had it for a long time because like these don't grow that fast, Mm -hmm. like this many overnight. Mm -hmm. And sure, IVF probably didn't help it, but you've probably had them for a while. And have you had heavier periods, painful periods? I'm like, actually, yeah. Like Mm -hmm. since about 2017, I've had heavier, more painful periods. She's like, well, that's usually a sign. Cause before I had very light periods mm-hmm. and I just thought, you know, I'm hormonally changing or whatever. And right. So that's another thing, you know, yeah. pay attention to your body and 100%. So yeah. um, sidebar, do you know, Jay Palumbo, Jennifer J Palumbo? No, she's, um, oh my gosh, she's the best. She, she's a oh, wait, comedian yes. and an author. Shh. Um, Yes. She's also speaking at Fertility Rally Live, but she She, had a polyp that she named Jackson Polyp. I remember I listened (laughs) to that episode. And she started like a Twitter account for it. And it had like all these followers. What was funny was that episode came out right when I was going through that. And I do remember saying that. I was like, I'm going to name mine. And so I named mine Polly Polyp. (laughs) Right. There you go. Oh my God. Except for I had a mountain range of them. So, right. Uh, but yeah, that was, that was a great episode. So and not to make light of it, obviously, no, but you know, you sometimes you, gotta you just got to laugh at this shit cause it's so bizarre and it can get it's, so dark. It was so dark. And mm-hmm. I was just like, at this point, I'm just rolling with it. Right. Right. And so I felt like I was in good hands and during this whole time with the new clinic, I had to transfer my old embryo, my frozen embryo from my old clinic to my new clinic. Mm -hmm. And I had to take this giant cooler and it was about 40 pounds of, I mean, the cooler itself was very tiny, but like Uh (laughs) the container it was in was huge. And we had, we had to buckle it in. Right. I remember (laughs) you, you, you did show this on Instagram, didn't you? I remember this part of your story. Yeah. Yes. Happily carrying our new embryo to its new home. Were you nervous about that though? You know, (laughs) absolutely. But I was also like, didn't want to, I didn't trust FedEx or whatever that they were going to use. You know, I'm like, I just want to do it myself and I know I'm going to drive safely. And so we both went to our old clinic and got our embryo and they were cool about it and then just brought it to our new clinic and there it was. So it was actually a pretty simple process, but very nervous. It's so cool that the technology these days, you know, that that's even a thing. I know it was, she's there. They did say that there is a risk. So there is a risk for transferring it, you know, with the temperature differences, but we were lucky. So, okay. So all pops gone, had the ERA test, had everything ready to go. We are ready to start our transfer mm-hmm. of this last embryo. Mm-hmm. And, and you weren't going to do another retrieval? No, we didn't have the funds to do it. Okay. And we just, I was done. I was absolutely done. Yeah. And I think when Dr. Marshall said I had dimin- diminished ovarian reserve, 
I just was like, okay, egg donation. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I'd already started planning for egg donation, mm-hmm. embryo adoption. Mm-hmm. We we looked at like um, domestic adoption. Mm-hmm. We were just ready for plan B. Right. And I think that's so normal for infertility patients to uh, go through is they have a plan B for everything mm-hmm. because they're so used to not everything not working out. Right. Right. And so that's how it was for us. We're like, this probably isn't going to work. Right. What are the chances this last embryo is going to stick? Like, right. ugh. And so we had, I'd reached out to a, several adoption agencies, reached out to egg donation agencies and started that process actually mm-hmm. in late July and August. And we were just so like ready for the next step. Cause at this point I was like, okay, I've had my break and it did help, but I still have this like nat like this nagging feeling that I need to finish this somehow, mm-hmm. whether it be through adoption or or transfer working or whatever. I want a baby, and so August rolls around. We start our our cycle, and everything's perfect. Do the Lupron. Do the we did birth control. We did the Lupron, and September 9th was when we transferred our embryo. And mm-hmm. I just remember being so excited finally. And I remember opening up on Fertility Rally about how nervous we were, though. Mm-hmm. About I, I mean, I remember bawling to you all and getting support from you all. And Noah was the one that oh. gave me life advice and he is just amazing. Oh my God. I love him so much. You have to get his book if you haven't already. Yes, I do. I do. Yeah. I love him. So mm-hmm. he helped me realize like, there's no harm in hoping, you know, like mm-hmm. you're going to be bummed no matter what. So you might as well be hopeful and positive and instead of negative and anxious mm-hmm. and scared And that made so much sense. And it sounds so simple, but Mm -hmm. having him tell that to me, I was like, fuck. Yeah. All right. (laughs) I I want to clarify that we're talking about Noah Shaw and his book is called Stop Thinking Thoughts That Scare You. So guys, if you're listening, go check it out. He's He's amazing. And so we went out. My therapist was like, how about you go out and get like a, a miracle present? And she basically suggested us to go get a baby item. Your doctor said that? No, my therapist. Oh, your therapist. Yeah, okay. my therapist. And That's so, such a good suggestion. Yeah. And so we're like, okay, you know what? We're going to go to a nice bougie baby story or baby store <laughs> and like, and get a baby toy. So we picked out, Andrew picked out a koala puppet and I picked out this cute little baby bunny uh-huh. and, we picked, and we picked out a swaddle and uh-huh. it just felt so good. Yeah. A faith present, you know, just yeah. pick out, pick out a faith present and I brought the bunny with me to the transfer and Andrew couldn't be there because of COVID. Mm -hmm. So he was in the car. Uh, They gave me two Valium this time. with him? No, I didn't. Mm. But I was too high on Valium. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You said two Valium? Two Valium. They gave me two Valium this time, which they're like, you're anxious. You need it. So take it. I'm like, all right, I'm doing it. So it went perfectly. Like the embryologist came out and was like, your embryo thawed beautifully. It's already hatching. I know. I remember you had so much anxiety (sighs) about the thaw, like, you know, again, of course. So I remember when you got that good news and I was so happy for you. I was so happy. And I just remember we got the call in the morning actually. And I was at my acupuncturist. I was doing acupuncture at the time and before the transfer and we did it directly after the transfer. And she's been with me on my journey this whole time too. And she's like, did the embryo thaw correctly? And Mm -hmm. I'm I'm like, yes, it did. I'm so excited. And 
uh, it was just like the best day ever. We yeah. had the transfer. My husband brought me Starbucks, like a, a decaf caramel frappuccino or whatever. Uh-huh. And he's like, let's go celebrate. And so we were so excited. We ended up going up to, back to Lopez Island where we got married to see his parents and just relax yeah. for a few days. Good. So we hung out. I started feeling some cramping. You know, I'm like, okay, this is good. This yeah. is good. This is different. Right. And so started feeling a little bit more, I don't know, hopeful, I guess. Uh-huh. And I decided not to not to test this time. I was gonna say, did you test on day five? <laughs> no, it was so hard. Yeah. And my husband actually had to hide all the pregnancy tests in the house because mm-hmm. <laughs> I would like go around and just look for them because I'm like, okay, where is he gonna hide them? He's probably gonna <laughs> hide them here. Right. He somehow figured out how to hide them away from me. So nice job, Andrew. He did a great job. And I remember going in on beta day and feeling so hopeful. Uh-huh. And they called me back two hours later and they said our beta was 193. Yes. And I'm like, oh my God, I'm pregnant. Holy shit. Yes. This is a good number. Yeah. Oh, it's a good, strong number. Mm-hmm. We were so happy. We cried. I cried for like, I don't know, half hour or something. My husband just held me. I was just so relieved. Mm -hmm. And he gave me a pregnancy test. I finally took it and it said the words pregnant. And it was like, I still have that test. It Mm -hmm. hasn't hasn't gone out of batteries yet. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But seeing those words, just, it it was undescribable. And we waited two days for the beta. I went in and they called me and they said, Congrats, your beta is uh 1589. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I was like, holy shit, that's a huge jump. Yeah. And we were so excited. And around five weeks pregnant, I started spotting mm-hmm. and I spiraled. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh my God, this is a miscarriage. Mm-hmm. I'm cramping. I'm having spotting. This is not good. But five weeks, it's still too early to see anything. Mm-hmm. And so they brought me in at five weeks, six days, uh, and they were so nervous. I was sure they weren't going to see anything. So scary. Oh, my God. And once again, Andrew couldn't come with me. Yeah. So I was going to these appointments by myself, and I'm sitting there and waiting for you know them to find the, the egg sac, and, and they did, and they saw a heartbeat. Mm. And I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> Best sound in the world. The best sound in the world. Yeah. It was was the best. And I couldn't believe it. And so I they're like, you probably have a subchorionic hematoma, Uh which is very common in IVF pregnancies. Right. Why is it so common? Do you know? I don't know, actually. It's just it just says that it's common. Yeah. I know there's a lot of our members who are now pregnant who have had a common thing like that. And it's so scary. It's so scary. And it's like so cruel. Like yeah. why? Right. <laughs> After all this loss, totally. why do we have to have this one thing right. to remind us of miscarriages and loss and everything? Yeah. And we, I continued spotting and I went in for another week. We saw the heartbeat. It was amazing. And then I think it was around six and a half or seven weeks or something like that. I had a heavy bleed where there was clots. And it was, I remember just sitting on the toilet, looking down. I'm like, is that my baby? Mm. And it was just horrible. And my husband's like, we'll take you to the ER. We're going to go to the ER. So we go to the ER and 
we waited for a long time because the uh, ultrasound technician was on call and I was waiting in the room for probably two and a half hours and they finally arrived. I know. And we heard and saw the heartbeat. We're like, Mm -hmm. Oh my God. And that's when we saw the pocket of blood in the actual uterus in my Uh uterus. And we're like, okay, so there is a reason for all this bleeding and okay, we can move forward. Yeah. Does the blood just like dissipate and go away after a while or what? For me, it didn't, it came back. It's supposed to just dissipate. So it would, it would like, I would have a big bleed and then have some spotting. And then I would, I had another big bleed like two weeks later and went again to the ER. And this time I was in the waiting room bleeding through my pads. They had to give me the postpartum maternity pads Mm. to have because it was just bleeding so much. Mm -hmm. And a woman in labor comes in and I just, I lost it. Yeah. I got up and just, oh my God, started bawling on the floor in front Mm. of everyone. And it was, everyone was like, what the fuck is wrong with that girl? (laughs) Oh, but my husband was just holding me and we had to wait for like three hours and uh, we finally got in and he was fine. Baby boy was fine. And it was just a incredible moment yeah, um, to see that. And luckily I think that was around nine and a half weeks. That was like the last big bleed I had. Mm-hmm. It had passed finally. And, you know, during the episode, I was so nervous. I actually collected one of the co- one of the clots because I thought it was the baby. Mm-hmm. And I remember putting it in the bag and bringing it with me. And I'm like, okay, if this is going to be, if this is it, I want them to test, you know, right. Baby, which is horrible. And just such a dark moment. Yeah, for sure. But we were just so lucky that this, this little guy hung on. Right. So. He did. He's a fighter. And <laughs> so fighter. are you, my God. <laughs> and Both. That was that. Like we, I stopped bleeding. I I had some residual bleeding, and then it just dried up, and it was all good to go. And I yeah. made it to my second trimester, and you know that trauma of the first trimester really got to me. So I yeah. started therapy again, and I started getting anxious again. And we upped my Prozac, and that has been helping immensely. Mm-hmm. And with IVF, it's you want to make it to all these milestones, right? Of so course. it's like first you make it to the second trimester. Okay, I can announce. Then you make it to the 20 week anatomy scan. Okay. Made it past that. What's the next milestone? Right. Finally made it to viability at 24 weeks pregnant. And I was like, I can finally relax a little bit. Was that the first time you were able to exhale really? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, now I'm 31 weeks pregnant and I'm just enjoying every minute minute of it. I'm so incredibly thankful that I'm here. You are, and this baby was so wanted, and it's going to be so awesome to tell him that. Absolutely, absolutely, and you know we're we're dealing with some trauma from IVF still that we're still working out with our therapist, but it's girl five years later for me, five plus, and it's does not, it still isn't fully gone. It's that shit does not go away. Every time you wipe, you think is there blood? Yeah, I still feel like that sometimes. Yeah. Every time like I had my period I, recently and I was like, oh, I'm so glad I'm not going through infertility right now yeah. because that would have triggered me. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Um, yeah. It's, yeah. it's, I still get choked up even talking about it. It's, it really leaves an imprint on your soul sure. really. And my therapist described it as 
it's the PTSD from infertility is akin to the PTSD from cancer. Mm, and that, yeah. that, that hit me hard. Cause I'm like, okay, this is a real thing. Mm-hmm. It's okay to be upset and sad yes. and depressed and go through the, the therapy and get on the meds and do whatever you need to do to, of course, to get yourself find better. people, talk to people, mm-hmm. you know, if you're comfortable sharing your story, cool. If not, that's cool too. You know, like just do, people need to do what is right for them. Absolutely. Oh and for God. me, it was talking about it helped, mm-hmm. right? And mm-hmm. I made so many new friends and fertility reality is such a good village, you know, mm-hmm. support community to have. Well, it's like a true family. I mean, it I really, really feel like you guys are all my sisters. Like Absolutely. we all have this common bond and that will never, it's like impenetrable. Absolutely. You no, know, it's like, and when we all finally get to meet in person, it's just going to be like old friends, you know? Absolutely. Thank you so much for listening to Amber's story and Amber. I love you, girl. I cannot wait to meet your little guy. Thank you for sharing this with all of us. Also, guys, if you don't mind taking a minute to go rate and review this podcast, it really helps us get more recognition and reach more people. And also, if you are looking for support or community, please check out fertilityrally.com. And we would love to have you join our family. We open up our membership the first week of every month. So you can always reach out to me on Instagram or DM if you have any questions about Fertility Rally. But we would love to be there for you. So thanks so much, everybody, for listening. And I will talk to you next time.